Good morning, everyone. This is Amy Wenzel getting us started today. So this is the Product Business Show, and welcome, welcome, welcome. If you've never been on this before, I'm really excited. We have a bunch of people that have never been on the show before who've called in, so that's awesome. So let me just do a little bit of a contextual piece for you. So the Product Business Show happens every two weeks on Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And if you have never been on the show before or called in and asked a question, um, I'm Amy Winslow, and my background is in product development for consumer products in large scale for, gosh, I think it's 23 years now. So everything from product development, sales, and marketing of consumer goods, both offline and online, as well as corporate sales. Now, what gets lost in the mix of all of that sometimes is that we actually do work with licensing projects and licensing agreements um, a little differently than a licensing agent, but many people forget that we use licensing sometimes as a tool for how people make money from their ideas. And I'm one of the speakers for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office occasionally on commercialization, which is just a fancy word for making money from your, your idea or your product. Now, licensing is one way that a lot of people choose to monetize and to do it in a way that's a little more passive than building a business, but there's definitely some things you need to do to get a license to work. So I'm going to talk a few minutes here about licensing, then I'm going to open up the phone lines and take your questions. So... <laughs> There's some common misunderstandings about licensing, and there's some common um, information that apparently is not so common. People get surprised by this all the time. And so I'm going to give you my example of what a license is and how it works and, and what the structure is. So you may have heard me say this before, but licensing is a contractual agreement between you and a company or another individual that is going to produce and sell your product under certain conditions. So to understand the elements of a license, there's your innovation, and it does need to be protected by a patent or a trademark or be first to market or have a lot of sales, something that is making it obvious that it's yours and that you need to be paid for it when you license. So without protection in place around the idea or the product, it's really hard to get a license to work because there's no fence around it. So the example that I like to give is this. If you've seen a barbecue grill in a backyard, right, and in the United States we have this thing that says that internally we just know that it's not right to go into somebody's backyard and just use their stuff. But if we didn't have that, and there's a backyard barbecue grill, and you wanted to, you just like wander in, throw a steak on it, fire it up, and get going, right? Well, with a license, your innovation is like the barbecue grill in the backyard. If you want to protect the backyard barbecue grill, you put a fence up around it. And a taller fence is more protection than a short little fence. So taller fence, more protection. And then if you want to control the access 
to the area around the barbecue grill and the grill itself, you put in a gate. Got it? Okay, so you've got the barbecue grill, a fence, and a gate. Now, the way that this is like licensing your innovation is this. Your idea is like the barbecue grill or your product, whichever it is. The fence is the intellectual property like a patent, trademarks, copyright on your packaging or website, um, being known in the market as the leader for XYZ item. All of those are a form of putting a fence around the innovation. Different types of patents have different strengths, like kind of like the height of a fence. So a design patent is a shorter fence than a utility patent. A provisional patent is a shorter fence than a non-provisional patent, okay? So if you have a lot of elements to your intellectual property protection, then your fence is taller if they're good, okay? The gate is the like the licensing agreement, the contract with whoever you license to, and the royalty rate is the admission fee that they pay to go in and out and use your innovation, okay? So um, that's the structure of what a licensing agreement is, and it's a tends to be a really good visual for a lot of people because you can actually picture in your mind how these mechanics fit together. Okay. Now, so if a licensing agreement is a contract, you need to also understand what it isn't, right? A licensing agreement is not a guarantee that you will ever make money from that license. It's just a contract. And so what's really super important is that you get a license that performs, that actually makes you money and that has the right structures in place so that you can do that, okay? Um, there's a few gotcha clauses and areas to pay attention to in a licensing agreement. Um, territory is one of them. You know, like what geography can the company that you license to uh, sell your product, create your product in, what sales channels, because you can divide licenses up a lot of different ways. You could say that it's a license for North America, right, which would mean the U.S. and Canada. Or you could say it's for Europe and define it as certain countries. Or you could say that it's for all the sales from uh, television shopping channels, right? But it doesn't include online, which is a little weird and would be a problem with most people. So there's some different clauses and different exclusivities to put in there, possibly. Or maybe you don't want an exclusivity agreement at all. Um, and it just depends on your particular situation and what the company that you're working with wants to do. Um, there's extra things that'll be in there sometimes as clauses that can really, really mess you up. Um, and that's why it's important to have your agreement reviewed. I would suggest that you have it reviewed by somebody for the business implications as well as by an attorney for the legalities. We've seen license agreements that have been literally atrocious, but they are completely legal. And the legal team was like, yep, it's legal. Yep, you're good. And sometimes they'll know to say, hey, you know, this is going to tie you up for X number of years and there's no exit clause and, you know, and sometimes they won't, 
um, it just depends on the experience level of your attorney with dealing with licenses. And so it's pretty important that you have this done um, really well because you will be bound by that contract for a certain period of time. Usually it's you can't, con you can't cancel the contract for at least a year. And then there's performance standards that, that get put in there as well. And it can be a significant problem for you. So um, I really, really encourage you to use an attorney, use somebody like us if you're not using us, to look at the business side of it, okay? Now, uh, all right, let's see. Um, there's a couple other things about making sure that your license is performing, and that's um, audits. You want to be able to audit the sales. And you should understand how the money flows in the license and, and because of the deal. Um, when you are doing a license agreement, there's different ways to calculate the royalties and the royalty payments. And there's different timings that different companies will use. So it's important that you understand all of those. Okay? Um, I feel like I just spoke really fast. So while I take a sip of tea, um, get your questions ready because I'm going to open up the phone lines in a sec here. If you're on the phone, press star 2 to raise your hand, and that will let me know that you have a question. So just on your phone, press star 2. If you're listening to the webcast, you can type your question in the, the Q&A box, and I'll, I'll go over and read those in a second. Let's see. Okay, great. We've got one question on the phone line. Let me just check the uh, webcast real quick. Okay, we've got some people typing in over there. Awesome. So hi there. If your phone number ends in 3341, who's this? Hi, Amy. This is Mike from Cleveland. I thought that might be you, Mike. What's your question today? Um. Well, I have a question. I had a uh, a design patent, and it uh, just recently expired. Would it be possible mm -hmm. to take out patent on the same uh, invention after that? Um, utility patents, first off, I need to tell everybody I'm not an attorney, so this is not legal advice, okay? Um, so a, a design patent covers what you can see about something, and a utility patent covers functional elements. Um, so it is different. You might be able to get a utility on it. I happen to know Mike's product really well. Um, and Mike, just so you know, I'm working on your things tomorrow. So, All right. Um, yep. And so you might be able to because the function of the curve and the particular shape, while those are visual elements, they have very specific functional properties to them, right? Most definitely, yes. So you, so you might be able to on that. And you can, um, sometimes you can reestablish even a design patent, like if you want to pay the renewal fees or reopen it. Um, double check with your patent attorney, okay? But, okay. Um, and it's really important for me to mention for everybody here that a patent is not essential for you to be able to sell your product in the market. Um, if you want a license at any point, it's really very, very helpful and can add a lot of money to the deal if you have a patent. Um, 
So keeping them current can be really important if you're going to move it forward. Okay. What about trade? I would check with your trademark. Same thing. Trademark is very interesting. People undervalue trademark all the time. You know, like they go like, oh, my logo is not that important. I'm not going to register it or they don't get to it or, oh, it's, you know, hundreds of dollars. I'm not going to do it, right? But think about Nike, right? Their logo is worth a ridiculous amount of money. And that's trademark and trade dress protection. It is not patent. It is just trademark. And so when you think about the value of a logo or, you know, your trademarks, it can add substantially to the value of business. Matter of fact, um, one of the examples in licensing, Mike, that I think you might really find intriguing here is we were working with one of our other clients, and Tim Tim is the, the client, and he he was having us help negotiate a license with um, – this guy, Michael, that we know, it's a company, and Michael's the VP. And I asked Michael, I said, hey, you know, it seems to me like you should take this piece of IP in addition to what you're talking about and this and this and this. And how much wiggle room do you have in your royalty? And Michael, within about two minutes, added $50,000 to the deal because of, partially because of the trademark. So, you know knowing to ask the question and having the protection and being willing to give rights to that can be really important too. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy here, Mike. And let's see, um, anybody else who has a question on the phone line, press star two to raise your hand over on our webcast. Ooh, okay. Um, so there's a little bit here that's confidential um, that they're asking me not to share. But um, somebody has a, a licensing agreement that went a little sideways. So how do they get out of it? Um, uh, that's a tough one, right? If you have a performance clause in the agreement, you can sometimes get out that way. Um, if you don't have a performance clause in it, you're going to need to involve an attorney here because this is a contract. And um, if you signed a bad contract or you didn't understand how the math was going to work, right, like you didn't understand money coming to you, then that's kind of on you. And I really hate to say it that way, but let's be honest, we're all adults here. And if you're signing things that you don't understand, um, then, you know, that's kind of on you. Um, if it's that there was a performance clause in there and you're not getting the audits that you need or they're violating something in there about how to do it with you, then um, talk to them first. See if you can get it remedied. Remedy. They might just have had staff turnover or there might be something going on like that. Um, it might not be malicious at all. Or it might be that the sales just aren't, what they expected to be. So that's what I meant when I said you need to get a license that performs. So if in licensing, if the product doesn't sell, you don't make royalty, right? And if you are part of the factor of um, them making money, like you were late 
handing over tooling or um, supplying drawings or samples or something like that, then you've had a hand in it. So usually um, you should account for that. And there's, there's some ways to structure performance clauses because of that. Um, so I'm sorry I can't be more specific for you, but um, I think that you're going to need to evolve, involve an attorney on this one. Um, if you're doing one of our licensing support packages um, on this, you know, I would take a look at it and, and see if there's anything I see that should be handled as a communication with the company um, or as a partnership or creating some collaboration. Um, sometimes there's just simple derailments or misunderstandings or um, you understood the contract one way, but in actuality it's something different. So sometimes we can help you understand the agreement better. Um, so I'd be happy to do that. So licensing support package would be great for you. So let's see. Um, back over to the phone lines here. Um, phone number ends in 3076. Hi there. Is this Michael? The other Michael? Yes, this is Michael. <laughs> yes, yes, this is Michael. How you doing? How you doing? Amy? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for, for calling in today. What's your question? That's great. That's great. Uh, I have a quick question. Okay, I received a utility tracking back in 2012, and and, I, and on LinkedIn, I see people displaying how they received a patent, today's patent, which is 2019, and they got like a red, um, red uh, strip going up on 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 the mm -hmm. on the face of they on the face of they uh, patents. But the, right. I don't have that. I don't have that. If you know, what should I do? Am I still I am I all right? Am, am I still all right? The if question. your patent was granted by the U.S. Patent yeah. and Trademark Office, um, they yeah. may have just changed the the way it looks. Um, right. If you're fully granted, then it should be right. fine, and you don't need to have it look like the modern ones. I mean, this is kind of a, a cool um, thing. Most of the people that – this is so funny. I am like having this, this moment here. Um, my – let's see. He's my great-grandfather in 1913 had patents granted. 1913 and 1916, and he actually licensed, he sold uh, one of the innovations, he licensed it, you know, this, so they don't look the same as they did in 1913 right now, you know, so it doesn't have to look current for it to be valid, right? Now, his is obviously past its, its time because it is 20 years, but um, I wouldn't worry about the look of it so long as it is still a valid patent, okay? Um, That's right. So, yep. so if, it was, if it was contested, wait, if it was contested or overturned right. or something like that, then yeah, you got to go deal with that. Okay. Can you can you explain to me the process of the maintenance maintenance fee when people get uh, patents? Um, there are maintenance fees that come up. They vary based on categories, and I don't remember the timing on all of them. Um, the best thing for you to do is to call the Inventor Assistance Office at the USPTO. Um, I know Kathy, Kathy Couric was the head of that, but she's uh, retired about a year ago. I'm not sure who's there now. But they're very, very helpful, and they can answer that kind of question for you specifically about yours. Okay? 
Okay, then. Thank you. You're welcome. Just look online for the phone number. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's a really good resource. And sometimes they can even give you some perspective or advice about, you know, how to file. And I'm saying that for everybody else, that if you're thinking about doing your own PPA, meaning a provisional patent application, you know, they're a, they're a great resource to connect to. Oh, and Michael, you could also connect with the regional office that's near you. Are you in Chicago area, if I remember right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, there is there is a patent office that's regional for Chicago that really? you can talk with. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not in Chicago. I, I'm pretty, but I'm pretty sure there is one because um, there's five regional offices now. Okay. Okay, then. Thank you. I'm gonna do that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm gonna mute your line for your privacy. So if you've got a question on the phone line, press star two. That'll raise your hand. We've got six minutes. Um, so let me go back over to our Q&A, make sure everybody's handled over there. Awesome. And let's see. Wow, we've got a couple more questions. Phone number ends in 4248. Hi there. Who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Kate Reed. Oh, Kate. Hi. What's your question today? Well, I have a question, please, Amy. With your vast experience, can you please give us an example of performance clauses that are really strong and good as versus some that you've seen that are really poor, please? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, performance clauses usually revolve around sales numbers um, that they have to be within a certain number. Okay, so there was this one uh, licensing agreement I saw a client had us look at it, um, one of our consulting clients, and it was a normal situation where um, he didn't really, he's never seen one. He's like, hey, could you take a look at this? I've got my attorney looking at it, but tell me about what this is. And the performance clauses included this extra little kicker, which was crazy, that said that if, um, first off, he couldn't cancel the contract for a year, right, which is fine. But then there was a mm -hmm. standard that said if they bought inventory within the term of the contract, meaning within that year, he could not sell anywhere until they sold through all their inventory. So even if he canceled the contract, say at day 300, he, mm -hmm. he knew he wanted to cancel the contract. So at day 395 or whatever, he cancels the contract um, if they still even had one piece of inventory, he would be prevented from selling anywhere in the territory that the agreement was for as long as they had that one unit of inventory. Wow, that doesn't sound that, very... Um, <laughs> it was crazy. Not, you know, yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, and then there was another clause in there for performance that was it had a defined royalty rate for the agreement, it worked out to, well, let me get the exact wording if I remember this right. It was if the, if the, he was owed more than, sorry, less than royalty on $250,000 of sales, then he could cancel the contract. That's a performance uh -huh. loss, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If he was owed royalty on more than $500,000 of sales, they could buy his entire company, and he had to negotiate the price at the beginning of the contract when he signed. 
Oh, so wow. They would have the right to buy every, the whole company mm-hmm. um, for whatever he negotiated now, right? And wow. most people at the beginning will either massively overvalue their business and the mm-hmm. idea or they'll massively undervalue it. There's not usually right. very many people who get the business valuation right at the early right. stages of something by themselves. Um, Absolutely. Because there's too much emotion involved. Um, yes. The other parts of that contract said that, you know, the first page said the territory, you know, this was valid in the territory, but it never defined the territory until way back ah. in the addendums. And the territory mm-hmm. was the world. It was oh, exclusive okay. in the territory. And the territory was the world. Literally, that was the phrase. The world. It gotcha. was crazy. Um, wow. So those are really bad kind of things because the way that agreement was written, if he was owed less than $7,000, he could cancel the contract. When mm-hmm. you did the math mm-hmm. and calculated out his royalties. If he was owed more than $14,000, they could just buy the business and stop paying him royalties. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So you really, I think you're just highlighting how important it is to really understand all the clauses within a performance um, agreement, uh, you know, performance mm -hmm. clause rather, and really have someone look at that thoroughly who understands it like you guys and then a lawyer as well. Right. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I'm so glad you're working with us on yours. So I'm just going to yes, say <laughs> that for everybody. You know, like, um, yeah. the, other piece, the other piece for a performance agreement, or sorry, performance clause would be something around how long they can take to reach a certain sales dollar figure. So uh-huh. that by, you know, within 24 months, they need to be at a certain sales level. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. they're not at that sales level, level, then you can cancel. Gotcha. Right. Um, yes. And there'll be things like, um, you know, that you have the right and ability to get audited statements of the sales or of gotcha. the royalty payments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you can track where they are with what they're doing and those will usually if the product is moving really quickly they could be as frequently as a month but usually they're Uh quarterly gotcha gotcha um and how does so that would be part of the performance clause would be the ability to get the audited statements amy so Mm -hmm. you want to really make sure that those are in there so you are being paid correctly you know with your royalties because otherwise you don't have any way to monitor it or follow through. Right. And, you know, hopefully you've licensed, you know, you being whoever is doing a license, hopefully yes. you're, that the other side is honorable, right? Because that's, right. contracts are as good right. as the people that sign them. Exactly. And, exactly. you know, like you really don't want to get into a legal hassle like, you know, the person on the webcast was is looking like yeah. maybe they need to do, but... Um, so it's really important to understand what you're signing and right. how it, right. it flows for you, like where it could go bad and where right. it could go awesomely. Right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Like we, that, that we have, so yeah, we have one company that we've um, helped people get licenses with that I just love because 
they if they do any innovation because here's the other part of it if there's frequently a clause that says something like um, that they get right of first refusal on future related innovations um, and you have to show it to them first right like if you do something mm-hmm. in the same category or you figure out another way to use the thing or another thing to do with it, then you need mm-hmm. to tell them first and they will add it to the licensing agreement or it's covered mm-hmm. by the same one or something like that. Gotcha. Um, then, then there's another piece that mm. says this is where companies sometimes do it differently. The clause usually is something like if they – innovate on top of your invention, right? Like they Mm do X, Y, Z versions or they figure out another thing, then they own the rights to the future innovation that they did, right? I see. Mm -hmm. And they own that forever. And so that's a little crazy. Mm -hmm. We have this one company that when they do a licensing agreement, part of their agreement is that when they wind down the agreement, meaning after the sales spike, if it's really saturated in the market and it's really mature product, mm-hmm. they, they might not renew the license, right? But if they don't mm-hmm. renew the license uh, or the license agreement doesn't get renewed, then the inventor gets rights to anything that they innovated on top of his. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And so they they actually sign over the future innovations to the inventor because they figure that they did it based on the original thing. Oh, so they just do that as a as a really nice generous thing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Amy. not every company does that. That's kind of rare, but right. and that's part right. of the reason we really right. like them. Right. No, that that makes sense. And is there a way to find out who is honorable and not, or is it just a sense <laughs> when you're negotiating? Um, you can kind of see it when the when the yeah. contract is sort of janky, as I call it, is just kind of janky. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. you know, okay. like the first page right. says it's exclusive in the territory, but they don't define territory, and it's defined the like world. way back in the last page. <laughs> yes. You know, that's, right. that's a red flag okay. right there. Gotcha. So when you, you better read just even thing. when you start negotiating, if the 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 framework of the contract would be a very telling piece. Yes, like we've seen gotcha. contracts where they don't even bother to change the. It's not even correct for the innovation that they're that they're licensing. Like it right. looks like stuff that's from somebody else. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah, we've seen, gotcha. We've seen some crazy. Um, the other way I'm to sure check you, is, yeah. Um, you can you can check their reputation, you know, online. Um, it's mm-hmm. harder with licensing though, because what mm, you're checking yeah. for is that they actually pay the royalties that are due. Right. 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 And that's oh, not it, an easy piece different. of information to get your hands on. Mhm. That's why it's it's important to set it up well to start as a foundation. Yeah. But that's those are some of the things that a performance clause would cover. Um, the sales gotcha. dollar figure in how much time, right? Gotcha. Like how fast is it going to launch? Um, exactly. 
Yeah, and there'll be clauses in there of, like, what you're supposed to turn over to them, like your construction diagrams for how the thing is made or the bill of materials or the tooling or, you know, right. all of that gets defined. The devil's in the details. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> well, but, um, I thank you for all that information, Amy, and really appreciate your um your help in further understanding this process. Oh, you're absolutely welcome, Kate. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. And then we've got one last question. This is one from Northern California. Phone number ends in 6354. Hi there. Hi, Amy. It's Claude Guy. Hey, Stephen. What's your question today? Well, quick question. How do you get in touch with people in large companies to, to even get them aware of your product? if they'd be interested in doing a licensing agreement. When you send things out, you either don't get any response or what you get is um, they won't even look at it because they don't want to interfere with their research and development department. Right. That's a kind of we only do what's grown here mentality that can happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it just depends on the, the category and who you're trying to approach. If you're approaching a general mailbox or a specific person, Usually, if you meet them in person first, that's better. So if you're at a trade show and you meet them, that could be a great entree because then they have a name and a face and they've seen the product and they can give you a faster yes, no, right? The what do you say usually involves, like, if you have sales history, that's a strong history and you just want to be more passive in the business, which is why you're licensing it now, then... Mm -hmm. Share the sales history if you can, or broad numbers of it. Or if you have some really great deal happening that's going to generate something, then you might share a little bit about that. That'll usually get their attention. If you have history in innovation or invention and you did something else that did really well, that can help too. You know, you can just use that to kind of get people's um, awareness. So are you talking about approaching a general person or a specific person? You know, even finding the name of that person is hard to get a hold of because you never get mm. past the front phone. <laughs> well, that's one way to do it, but there's a, there's other ways. I mean, we have a database that we use for our clients, mm -hmm. and it allows us to look up people, specific people by job title, by industry, by company, you know, from website domain names. So, you know, we we pay a considerable amount of money to be in that database. Yeah, there's there's things like that. There's also asking for the connection, not just on LinkedIn, but I mean, literally, there have been times where we've called up an existing contact in a certain industry and we said, hey, we're looking for somebody over at XYZ company. Do you know anybody over there? Mm -hmm. And and done it that way. So um, I would work your contacts. And, you know, you may um, find that that's a little more effective, right? LinkedIn is a little tough because, frankly, um, people that are, you know, like VP of innovation, that's usually kind of the job title you're looking for, um, or maybe a product manager, they are used to getting inundated with requests through LinkedIn. At this point, you know, a lot of people have been doing that, and 
I'm seeing that some of them literally are putting in their LinkedIn profiles now, we do not accept solicitations from LinkedIn. Don't be spammy. That's the biggest piece of advice. Don't be spammy if you're going to do it. Uh, Understandably. I know what what I'm looking at is doing these in a larger size to replace rug rollers on bed frames. Mm -hmm. They'd be perfect on beds. But they don't even want to bother. Big companies don't even want to bother to even take a look. Well, I would actually go more to the store for that. You know, a sit and sleep or leads or big mattress stores or something like that and offer them there. Yeah. Well, my problem is I don't have them made in the larger size. I've got mm-hmm. a 3D prop, but I don't I don't have them in production. So I've only got the smaller size in production. So going oh, with it. small stores would be difficult. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be tough to get someone to license those because Frankly, they buy the casters in or they're making them and those are super easy and they're already in the production line and they probably add to the profit margin of the bed frames. But they don't work. Yeah, but that's kind of beside the point. <laughs> but that they don't mind. care. <laughs> you know. You know these, um, these wouldn't be any more expensive, but uh, just a matter of, you know, getting them in production. Yeah, because the bed frame has basically been a commodity item for a long time that, you know, if you're talking about the metal bed frame, if you buy a new mattress or box spring, it's frequently included in the price. But we just bought one for our new place and, you know, they gave us the thing for free. You know, they kind of included it, but that's the way they pitch it. You know, they have to explain something that's not a wheel because most people are looking for wheels because they think that's what's going to get them what they want called mobility. But, right, but um, rug rollers never didn't work 40 years ago. They don't work today, and the, yeah. and the other wheels don't work any better. I would seriously suggest that this you sell through online ads. That would be my thing on it because I think the license you might you might get it to happen if you've met the right person at the frame manufacturing level. Mm-hmm. But you got to really work that connection okay. because you have to get them over what they've been doing and they have existing things. And whenever your, your item that you're licensing to is a little bit of a commodity, that can be a problem. Like we have one that we worked on years ago and there was just such a backlog of inventory of the existing thing, even though the new one was better, that people just weren't even listening. They were like, yeah, no, well, we got it covered. Casters are casters to them, and it doesn't make any difference. So, yeah. Mhm. So, okay. but it does to the homeowner. Yeah, my problem is I just didn't want to have to go into production on a large one. I'd rather just turn that over and get out of that. And well, uh, then turn then license it to the caster manufacturers. Right. Or to or to the people that do the magic sliders or something like that. Find a different person because the bed frame manufacturers are going to be tough to find. I would look at the people that make the magic slider or something like that for what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, that'll work. So, I, so license it over there instead of to the frame people is probably better because they have the ability to put it in retail or to run ads or to 
sell it through Amazon much um, without as much friction. Well, they'd no have different, different lines. <laughs> they'd have different lines to sell it through too. So it's uh, right. not just to the bed frame companies. Right, and it can sell to the existing people that are already have bed frames. Right. So you actually have a much larger market, which means you'd make more royalty. Cool. Okay. And for awesome. for the other person who was looking for the the maintenance fees on on patents, you can find those uh-huh. real easy online. And small entity is like four hundred dollars for the first three and a half years, eight hundred dollars for the mm. next three and a half years, and I just paid eighteen hundred for the next three and a half years. So, but awesome. that should be the last one. Okay. No, well, the thank next you one's so much for. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it just varies based on how someone filed and everything else. So thank you so much for the information. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. No problem. Okay. Thank you. So. You're welcome. That is going to be a wrap for today. Um, if there's more questions or, or things, we may do a part two of this next week. But if you are interested in licensing, we do have a licensing support package. It includes us writing your marketing materials for you, writing your sell sheet, or upgrading the one that you have, and pulling contacts from that database that I mentioned to Stephen. And helping you negotiate and navigate the landscape of your particular situation for licensing. We've negotiated with a lot of different companies. Um, One of our clients had us helping her understand how Procter & Gamble was thinking about her things. She got a very nice infringement settlement from them. It involved a license as well. And then we have people, like I shared early in the call, um, where you know, one sentence and knowing how to position what we were asking about added $50,000 to a licensing agreement. We have another uh, business partner team that they were able to get $110,000 on an idea that they ended up licensing twice, and it was because of some information and, and perspective that we had given them on that. If you're interested, let us know. You can reply to the email or you can give the office a call at 626-396-0990 and you can talk to Jess and he'll get an appointment set up so we can have the conversation with you. Right now, we only have space to help two more people. If that's you, I'd love to have it be you. Um, We only work with people that are really kind of in it to win it. Definitely contact us if if that fits your description, okay? And I'm super excited that you joined us today. Please check out past episodes over in the podcast. There's uh, 20-some episodes, I think, already uploaded. And you can find that on Google Play as well as iTunes. It's under the Product Business Show on Google Play and iTunes. And with that, we'll be back in two weeks. I hope everybody has a fabulous week. Bye for now.